what God has done, but what God is doing and is going to do. And I'm sure as the disciples are listening, they're like, wait a minute, that's not the story we usually hear. You know, it's about what God has done. But Jesus pointed out, he's going to do a new thing. And this is going to give a whole new meaning to what they're experiencing. And he began explaining about these, these cups, cups of wrath, cups of grace, as he's explaining the brokenness that's going to happen in his life and how it's going to create a new opportunity for everyone to connect. As time went on, as Jesus um, did the ultimate for us, as he died on the cross and was raised from the grave, then the church sprung up. And the church was growing rapidly throughout the Roman Empire and outside the Roman Empire. And as the church was growing and blossoming, um, they practiced something that Jesus asked them to at the Lord's Supper, and that is to keep remembering and remembering what Christ has done by participating in a meal together. And as we get a, a peek into, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 11, starting with 17, but here's a peek into an understanding as Paul is talking to one of the churches that he had ministered to and was a part of. And I can only imagine, you know, as, as the church, they're, they're growing and they're experiencing life, and you get a letter from Paul. And I can imagine as they get this letter and they open it up and they start reading and passing it around. Um, and then throughout this letter, many times, I'm sure they winced as they were reading because at the beginning of the letter and even at this point in what is now chapter 11 um, Paul was writing in the following directives I have no praise for you and we know right there it's another wince Ooh. Um, because they're having lots of division within their church family and at the beginning of the letter, he's talking about some are following Apollos and some are following him. But he points out, you know, Jesus is our only one that we need to follow. So as they're doing this meal together, he's very unhappy with them. For your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have been differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry while another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What have I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this manner. So as we're looking at this, this church family and recognize this is not taking place in a, in a building or a sanctuary or a fellowship hall, this is in someone's home. Probably someone who was um, more well-to-do to have a large enough home to have a, a larger group of people. And within these homes, I read recently where, as they were describing what some of these early first century homes were like within the Roman Empire, reminds me of one of the homes that I visited in El Salvador when we were visiting our sister church, where there was a, an outer wall, 
And within this outer wall, they had a little like atrium or courtyard inside. And then they had other living areas and they had a little kitchen. But a lot of it is um, exposed to, because of not having extremes and temperatures. So it was exposed, but you have an outer courtyard with little niches that people would sleep in, prepare food, etc. So as it's looking, and as they would come together, you know, we have a clear idea in our mind of what communion is. You know, it's these little white pieces of bread and little bitty cups with grape juice in it. But during this time period, this was very much a, a meal. And it looks like within the Corinthian church, it, sound, it was potluck. But it looks like you ate what you brought. And some people could bring in a spread and have lots of good wine with it. And they had a good old time as they were celebrating together. Other people didn't have as much. And so as they came in as part of their, their worship, they would have very little or nothing. And the other people would be consuming till they, their bellies were full. And the whole point of communion is coming together to recognize what God has done in unity. Now, this passage has been interpreted different ways. Uh, my parents told me about um, how my um, paternal grandfather, my dad's father, Dewey Crutchfield, interpreted this. And I've talked about him before. He's the one, remember, who was kicked out of church for dancing and, and shooting pool um, probably early in the late 20s, maybe, um, during that time period, during the Roaring Twenties. So he was kicked out of church for those things. But as, and then he apologized, and they warmly welcomed him back in. But as he got older, he, he was very strict and, and stern with things. So he interpreted this as you should not eat ever in the church building, except for the little bitty pieces of bread. And that's all that you should do. Um, no potlucks, no food in the fellowship hall. And as I learned, that was the first time I had heard that, but talking to other people, that was really common for people to interpret this passage this way, especially during the, the 30s and the 40s, 50s, and through the 60s, very often um, was translated that way, that if you want to eat, go home to eat, don't eat at church. But I think as we read through this, it's really an issue of... of, of being just, of being fair and, and understanding when we come together to celebrate what God has done for us, that we do that together. This is an opportunity for us to pull our resources together. And what a contrast this is to um, what is presented in Acts chapter 2 where they shared everything in common and they bonded as they were looking for leadership from the Holy Spirit as they were looking to, to grow the church as a church family. So here in Corinth, they are very much doing something, as Paul said earlier, it's actually doing more harm than it is good and how they're doing this together. So he is not praising them. But he, for Paul, he wants them to have this as a powerful way to worship, to, to remember on a regular basis what God has done for them. And by making this meal like this, it's destroying that. So Paul is furious as he's writing this. In 23, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we're being disciplined so that we will not fully, so that we will not finally be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further instructions as he is talking with them. So as he's sharing with them about this, this meal and about the importance that they're doing this together, it's so important that we recognize that as they worship, Paul wanted them to do so in unity and truth. Now, I'll say I've even mentioned from the pulpit something that I would present differently now. And that is, there's been, and I, I've heard many talks on how whenever we receive communion, that we should examine ourselves and look inwardly and see, am I worthy of receiving this? You know, Christ did this and gave his life. Am, am I, is my life being lived right now in a way that I'm worthy of receiving this? And I want to say, if we really honest that, if we're honest with ourselves and ask this question, none of us are worthy. None of us are worthy of receiving the body and blood of Christ for what he has done. And, and that's the whole point. That communion is about not what we've done, but what Christ has done for us. And when Paul is talking, I think that when Paul is talking about are you receiving this in an unworthy manner? It's like, are you doing this in a way that disgraces what the church is? Are you receiving communion as a family in such a way that people leave thinking like, man, I feel terrible. I had nothing to eat and no one supported me. No one helped me with that. And so as we receive communion, that it's an indictment on are we loving each other fully? Are we looking out for each other fully? And that's what it means to receive communion in a worthy manner. Um, it's, it's how we are doing church together. And it's an indictment for all of us that as we worship, as we live life together, are we doing it in a way that's continually bringing glory to God and is it doing it in a way that everyone feel lo feels loved? And it's, it's, it's something that we always have to be thinking about and examining because we can all get kind of in a rut in how we do things and begin to 
um, focus in some areas and leave other areas out and then some people get neglected and other people get lots of attention and some people get very little attention and it's something that we always have to be aware of to make sure that we're not um, falling into that trap of, of having um, situations, people, um, ministry um, fall through the cracks because of, of that's just if, if we're not attentive to things, it's easily um, something that can happen to us that we're not loving everyone equally. So for me, as I read this, it's a strong indictment for me today as pastor and, and for all of us that are we doing church in a way that is glorifying Jesus in everything that we're doing? Are we doing things in a way that is um, really great for some people and really not great for other people? So our, we should always be looking around us with the eyes of Jesus and the heart of Jesus saying, are we loving everyone equally? Are we loving everyone the way that Christ loves? And are we doing things in a way that supports and loves that? So as we receive communion, yes, we look at ourselves and recognize our own sin and where we fall in short. But I believe as Paul is talking here, he's talking about how we're doing church. How are we doing life? And are we doing it in a, a way that is worthy of Jesus' death and resurrection and what he has done? Jesus did this incredible act of love so that we can have grace. And as we truly experience the grace that God has for us and this love that he has for us, then that brings this understanding of grace and love that just should just flow out of us to everyone that we meet. Just generously loving people, caring for people, doing for others, talking about how amazing Jesus is in our life and what he has done for us. And as this happens, renewal happens in who we, who we are. And it's not just a one-time renewal, but it's a renewal that's happening on an ongoing basis as the Holy Spirit's coming in and changing who we are to look more like Jesus. As this renewal happens, as we experience this, when we receive communion, it's a continual reminder that what Jesus has done for us and the availability that we all have to be nurtured, renewed, to be forgiven by the blood of the Lamb for anything that we have done. So as we receive communion, that we understand that total renewal is available to us in real and powerful ways. So I want to ask us this morning, are you experiencing renewal in your life because of what God has done for us? Are we recognizing, are we doing church the way that we need to, that everyone feels loved and not just some? As we do, it's important. Um, here Paul is saying we're being judged because by God if we're not doing that and if we're promoting some and, and not others. So it's a really big deal. So are we doing that well? So this morning... Are you allowing this renewal from the Holy Spirit to happen in your life? Are you allowing God to do his amazing work? Just pause for a moment as the 
the music begins to, to begin thinking and listening to the Holy Spirit and be willing to, to receive that. And if you, you feel like things are getting left out, maybe God wants you to take an active role in making things right and making sure that our church is doing and loving the way that our church should be doing um, for all people. A very powerful calling that God has given us. Um, I will be up here as we're singing this last hymn. If you want to talk about anything, pray about anything, want to ask about what does it mean to be a member of our church family, I'd love to have that chat with you. Also, after our worship's over, I'll be up here for several minutes. If you want to just chat with me, I'll be available for that. Um, but right now, just, just open your heart up and receive what God has for you as we um, listen and then eventually sing. Um, we're in hymn number 371. Um, God, as we recognize this gift of worship through communion, through your supper, as we come to your table, God, help us to be doing so in a way that glorifies your holy name. God, for each of us, we, we need your renewal. We need, need your work. So God, help us to not be doing things that are blocking that from happening. God, may we just totally be open to your will and your love and your grace as we continue to worship you this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.